All right, let's try this. This is the voiceover for movie trailer. Take one. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. You're listening to Trailer Trashed on the Merry-Go-Round Magazine Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, CJ Simonson and Kate Brockman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Trailer Trash, the show where uh, trailers get the fair and balanced critique they get after a night of drinking. My name is CJ Simpson. I'm the music editor over at Mary Ground Magazine. Uh, I am joined by Duber. Just Duber. Just Duber. Single name. Black Prince. Madonna. Or, Mad- or Madonna. Or uh... Claw from Inspector Gadget. Oh, I like it. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the third I was not thinking of, but uh, a nice pivot. Um, you can read Duber over on the site. He has a, a, a nice interview up with uh, the Vandaliers right now. That came out a couple weeks ago. Um, their excellent new record. And, uh, yeah, excited to have you, man. Uh, if you're wondering where Kate is, Kate uh, is not in this episode. She uh, she is off at home for scheduling conflict. And uh, and so you get just me and, uh, and Duber. And uh, happy 420 to everyone. Very much, very much. And, yeah, hopefully uh, you don't have to carry me through this. Uh, this will be a... I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, first time experience I'm not here. worried about it. Uh, spoiler for 420, uh, you and I have a, had a little bit of smoke. <laughs> At least me more than uh, than the, the usual episode, which is none. Yeah, but, just, a, just a tad, and we'll uh, we'll coast through this. It'll be great. I'm not mad about it. Uh, most of the time, you know, pretty pretty uh, sober as far as weed is concerned. I don't think I've ever smoked on a pod before, but I don't actually remember. I don't. I, this is a moment where I wish Kate was here because I think she would be able to help me and be like, "Oh yeah, no, you did, you know, do that thing before that yep. thing," and I'd be like, "Oh, you're right, I did," uh, and I, I did not. I don't think ever. Uh, granted, we're only twenty episodes into this. Actually, I should say four twenty. This is the twentieth episode. It's weird how serendipitous. Did you deliver? Did you deliberately plan that? Look, when we started out on this export twenty years, twenty months ago, yeah. twenty years ago, 20 can years you imagine? Ago. Holy shit! I, I probably won't be alive. A very, ever. I mean, a very, very industrious twenty-six and no, six and or seven-year-old at that time i wouldn't be alive podcasting way ahead of the game i think we can admit like 20 years of uh, of crushing my liver in the sake of movie previews i don't think it's gonna happen but uh who knows you have a you have a relationship to the industry so uh you're not just a random person on this podcast <laughs> yeah no i have i have i have i don't know you have some, a degree in experience film. a degree in film which <laughs> yeah. you know that never got me anywhere but uh, hey what can i say hey, you're here it's all about the network if anything it got you to this moment right here right here right now so that i could get on this podcast uh you are finishing up an old-fashioned yes we right say. now yep finishing up an old-fashioned that's the uh that's the go-to but uh, after that i'll be coasting into uh alesmith sublime mexican lager and i assume they got all rights uh, all rights reserved from our good friends down in the lbc yeah so that will be uh, that'll be cracking opening at some time because it's crisp balanced and easy drinking all I, out of the can i should have said this that on our last podcast i was drinking the sublime ale and uh and i should have said they actually um if if you have to know they made uh 40s of it uh, Alesmith made which, like legit looking 40s of this beer, which, which is makes ki- sense. Kind of amazing. Like, I mean, given, given, you know, I mean, 40 ounces of freedom, man, what are you going to do? Well, and it, but, right, exactly. But an expensive endeavor, you know? What yeah, I mean? no, like, yeah. <laughs> just, just for the sake of novelty. Right, 100%. just for the sake of novelty. They're literally only doing it because they're like, fuck it, like, let's make 
you know, got to pay respect. Yeah, well, they also know that, you know, you, you can you can make a 40-ounce lager. There's, like, you know, nobody nobody's going to pound down, like, a 40-ounce stout that tastes like, you know, chocolate and rubber tires. But it, Alesmith is smart in that way. I think most Alesmith stuff is, like, pretty drinkable. And that's a pretty, you know, obviously it's a craft Mexican lager, which is kind of a weird, like, interplay thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's a different kind of, you know... Mexican lagers are so kind of like standard. Everyone grew up drinking yeah. a Pacifico, a Corona. Oh my god! I mean, Dos Equis. I mean, I mean, I know we're getting into trailers, but it's like I could do a rant on Pacifico's latest no. commercial. Oh, well, what? Pacifico, Pacifico's commercial is just like Pacifico is. You know, it's one of like the most like run of the mill like standard. Hey, we're going to give you a Mexican lager. It's going to be great, and it's like everybody loves a good Pacifico. Yeah. But then their commercial is like so heavily emphasized by the fact that it's like, oh, Pacifico, like we're the beer for people who live life anchors up and it's like you know that's great that your anchors are up and you like to fucking party but they're talking about like like the people who are like breaking the mold and breaking the barriers and the game changers i'm like you guys are just trying to sell beer and you're trying to make everybody feel special not to be a marketing guy but do you think pacifico is doing that in the sense it's like anchors up we're down to party in the sense that corona's whole move for the past two years has been like we're on the beach we're chilling man like everything's good like you don't have to worry about close everything down like we're down for in that and pacifico is like we gotta go the other direction well i mean to that to that point it's like i think yeah they definitely they had that slogan find your beach yeah, find, yeah, exactly. But find now, but now, I because I think at the same at the same token, I just uh, I'm trying to remember the most recent the most recent commercial I saw because it was in the same like in the same Hulu series of commercials like hey here, here's Pacifico and now we're going to show you Corona but it was something about uh, it was more it was kind of this like. Not just oh hey everything's chill and it's great, but it's like oh to get to the beach it's like you got to get out of the craziness that is life. So it's like for every guy who like stands up in a board meeting and says that this is the wrong way and the false way to do things, a Corona gets its lime. I'm like, what are we talking about? A Corona gets its lime. It's like oh, it's a wonderful life. Oh, an angel gets its wings. wings. Yeah. A Corona gets its lime. Let's all get trashed. But no, yeah, like nobody ever get trashed. I think I think we're pretty sure George Bailey should have been ordering a Corona at that bar. We know. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about that, and it's like then we, get, then we can go down the realm of Heineken. Like, yo, we're we're gonna we're gonna pilot the dude. We're gonna yep. get the dude, and then we're gonna get. Carrie Bradshaw. We're not gonna. They don't say her name though. Right. It's like we're gonna get Sarah Jessica Parker and we're gonna get her drinking something fancy schmancy. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if it's a Cosmo or. Which I think it, that's what she normally. She came. Is, she yeah. came from the Cosmo and now she's in this territory where it's like, oh hey yo, we're gonna give you a Heineken, but it's gonna be the most Cosmo esque glass yes. that a beer can go into. Yeah. You know, which is I mean, it's the no. That's actually more like the Stella Artois Chalice. I think it is actually. I think it is Stella Artois. That that no, it's it, for. it's Heineken. I think it's Stella Artois. It's like no, I'm. Doing- I almost want to bet you right now the dude- on the pod on the podcast. All right, uh, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and the only reason I think that is because the Stellar Trois ads always they always. I think this is so unrealistic because we've never had this happen ever. But they have the like guy who's he pours the beer and he mm-hmm. over foams it, which means he's just shitty at it. Yes, and he's got the thing and he goes. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's always Stellar. Yeah, and I'm waiting for Carrie Bradshaw to have that have that thing. Yeah, but. At the other side, the way I look at it, because it's like you know, I'm you know, the dude's like I'm digging this pay it forward thing, and he's drinking it, and then they yeah. dance, and then come break. on, man, but, yeah, that's but, that's a good Heineken, yeah, man. But it's there, but I mean, that's also Heineken's mo because this it's is not Heineken. No, I think this, it's Stella. I think it's I think it's Heineken because it's I'm this, looking at it. It's the Keep sec- going, yeah, it's the second time they've done it because the first time the first time they did it for James Bond when Spectre was coming out. He okay. didn't. He didn't order a martini. He ordered a Heineken. That's right. So they're like, "Oh, hey, let's take let's take a famous characters who are B known by their drink of choice." 
Yep, it's Stella. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, man! You won the Stella? Yeah! <sighs> Come on, man! Uh, I, I think was... I can get into it like immediately, and then if I try and do it longer, I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. it's not going to mm-hmm. work for me. Mm-hmm. Not going to work for me. No. Uh, you and I have a... We have to, we have to uh, pay the Pied Piper, we as do. it were, and we do, do a shot. Um... And probably in the ceremony, do it. Yeah, do a little bit of a hit right. Yeah, I mean there. we got. I mean you got. You know, we're smoking nine pound hammer out of a select pen for anyone that wants to keep up with both what we're drinking and also what we're smoking. But um, uh, yeah, let's let's do a quick little shot. Yep, shot. We're both doing whiskey. Cheers. Mm. Nice. I should say um. I'm drinking out of a Pacific Plate Brewing Company. This is a this is new to me. I don't know where they're from. I know that they're independent, um, but it's a it's a horchata stout. Yeah, man. that's much sweeter than I think uh, uh, something I would normally necessarily yeah. go for. It's not like horchata, which is the uh, the brewery out of Anaheim's um, beer, uh, but it's good. It's uh, you know it, it definitely tastes like horchata. Yeah, I mean, my first reaction is like, I mean, horchata is a great thing to mix with something like a stout. Sure. I think my own, my only experience with horchata in my life from an alcoholic standpoint was the drink rum chata. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, a, a, a friend of ours, at least upon initial meeting and that I knew he consumed alcohol, was he was that was that was his quote unquote hard liquor of choice. Yes. So if you can imagine somebody doing shooters of a. Of rum chata, but yeah. but I mean it's I mean suspiciously reminiscent of alcoholic cinnamon toast crunch. So it is, it one hundred percent is. There's always a kind of milky undertone. Um, this doesn't has have that as much, but it's very uh, sweet and cinnamony in ways that I uh, I was not anticipating. Yeah, I mean for something for something that you know typically is described as a you know heavier form of beer brewing, something like a stout, it's like it actually it I mean it it goes down lightly. It's good, yeah, and it's only we should say it's only five point two percent, I think. Um, yeah. You know, uh, a decent thing. I'm going to go ahead and take a hit. Uh, we're smoking nine pound hammer, as I said. Hopefully, you can kind of hear me <laughs> blowing yeah. into it. It's Ex- not the same as taking a shot. Ex- exhale with feeling, so I'm going to tap it. Oh, I like it. That's smart. Um, I'll do that of my beer so that we're all on the same page here. It's a, good, it's a good weed, it's a good strain or whatever. Yeah. Nine pound hammer. Let's do John Henry Proud. Let's do nine pound hammer. John Henry right now. John John Henry's hammer. John Henry's John Henry's hammer is a lot for me to say right now. Yeah. Um Oh fuck, you know what? I don't have the full name of this. So we have to wait two seconds as I pull it up. Right. But uh the first movie trailer we are going to be doing is Dora and the Lost City of Gold. You know the jungle. It's a part of you. But exploring is not a game. And you don't look before you leap. I'm okay, Boots. We're on to something big, Dora. An ancient city made of gold. Parapata. And your mother and I are gonna prove it. And me. I'm sorry, sweetie, you're not going. What? Being in the city around kids your own age, like Diego, might help. So you're gonna get invited to some of these parties called raves. The music sounds like this. Go get it! Be careful. That's what we want to say. Cousin Diego, you're so skinny and tall. You are way more energetic than I remember. Oh, 
Dora, this isn't the jungle. It's high school. It's life or death. Keep a low profile. Just be yourself. And just be cool, Dora. We all remember her fun cartoon character yes. of uh, of the later part of our youth. Yeah. So this was the last thought I had during the trailer, but the first thing that I really think of since you mentioning that. Yeah. Sure. It's like this is this is a classic character for you know I mean the cohort that came right after us. Like what you like basically we're right mm-hmm. on the threshold of Gen or no of uh the millennials and Gen Z. Correct. We're the end part. So so clearly, I mean there's a part of this I mean they I mean they marketed this as an action movie. It is. It looks and it's like, hey, we're gonna take we're gonna market this as an action movie towards the kids that grew up with the Dora the Explorer character, but hopefully maybe have enough of a you know adult sense of irony to be like, hey, this would be a great thing to turn Dora into. Correct. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of this trailer that, like... This is my opinion. So this is Paramount movie. I really think they're not 100% sure what this trailer is in terms of, like, do we appeal to a much larger, older demographic or do we appeal to young people who mm-hmm. presumably are into, you know... At least when you say the words Dora the Explorer mm-hmm. to me, my thought is, oh, kids movie mm-hmm. or kids TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, much younger demographic... Five to seven. You yeah. know, like young, cartoon. Uh, there's not a lot about anything to do with Dora the Explorer that mm-hmm. makes me think that she is a potentially violent person. Um, <laughs> and that is existing in a big way in this trailer. I mean, really. it's it's. She has like a knife. She's got a big old Bowie knife I in mean, her backpack. And I mean, my, my first thing is just like, you know, she goes, she goes into school and it's just like... You know, her, I mean, her parents are explorers. They're familiar with the jungle. I'm like, you ever played the game Turok? Turok, yeah, dinosaur hunter. Oh, I she, remember. She, she shoots the big old beads out. Yeah, she shows up with a she shows she shows up with a flare, a machete. She's got a Bowie knife. There's, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's a flare gun or a boomerang, but like she's she's fully armed. Dora is unhinged in high school. Yeah. So yeah, we should mention that part of this trailer too. Is it's like it, there's a part of this trailer that is like, oh, don't worry. Dora's grown up, and her parents have sent her to high school. It's like it's like it's taking this fish out of water scenario of like, oh, she won't be able to cut it in high school. You have no idea. She has knives and whips and fucking like not in an S and M way. She's just down to fucking kill bad guys. I mean, but we all we like we know where this is going, right? It's like, all right, we're gonna take a chick who spent the majority of her early adolescence yeah. growing up in a growing up in like a like a wild foreign environment we're gonna stick her in high school it's like yeah. i mean you might as well just call this shit mean girls three yeah because mean girls two is already a thing of course so i never saw it but it's like hey we're gonna take we're gonna take this mean girls character but hey by the way she's not just you know she's not this girl who grew up in australia and is you know familiar with kangaroos it's like oh by the way not only am i familiar with kangaroos but i can probably throw a bola around a terrorist legs and hog time and like you of know, course just just take him out to the outback in a diehard situation like, yes mean, in a diehard yeah. situation <laughs> Yeah, precisely. <laughs> precisely. I, I think I wondered the degree to which, like, I'm interested more in seeing Dora explore her entire time in high school than I am her being put falsely in high, in high school and then stripped out of it to go back to the jungle. Because this movie's kind of a false positive. It's like, oh, no, she is going back to, yeah. you know, yeah. like, what? What's by, happening? By the way, it's like, well, then, I mean, the other, like, the, the other aspect of this is that we've got... I mean, first let's 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 talk about the very beginning where we're introduced to Dora's parents. Yeah. Okay. Time, yeah. So who are Eva Longoria and yeah, Michael Pena? Yes. Yeah. And the well, first the one side of that is throughout the duration of the TV show, when at least I was old enough to have it on the television at the house. Uh, 
like I think like right at right at the la- right at the latter end, like when it would would have first started before I like would have transitioned to like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or something at that time. Yeah. So wait, we should rewind for a slight moment. I think a Nickelodeon show, right? Yes, like Nick, or at least yes. you know Paramount or whatever yeah. owns the the rights. I think like very tail. Like we were not prop. It was just like a fad. I remember it was like a thing. This is a big deal. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember ever like. Wa- I probably you the same. Like I don't remember watching it necessarily. No. But I remember it being like a. This is a huge cultural phenomenon. Yeah. You the had bulk, to interface with it. The, bu- yeah. the bulk of me, the bulk of me knowing what it was, what was having a younger sister. Of course, yeah. So yeah. you know, younger she, brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she would, you know, that that would be on the you know Nick Junior. What whatever it was, but it's like throughout the entire the duration of when I was watching it. There was never any moment where any adults were introduced. It may yeah. have come later, like because you know there was her cousin Diego. He got his own series. Maybe you know parents showed up later on, but at least when I was there, you know it was the same case like Peanuts. It's like you never see an adult, or like you know the adults that you do, you can't understand a word they say. Sure, yeah. So we the, we have these pivotal roles of Dora the Explorer's parents. Who's, I mean, you know, I mean, what, I mean, first off, what a great combination of like actually two fantastic A listers. Yeah. That they one scored, a Scientologist, that, one that formerly for married to Tony Parker. But yeah. hey, also, you know, Desperate Housewives. And you see Michael Payne in Ant Man and Ant Man 2. He's great. Man's masterful. Not, not mad about so, it. So you put, I mean, you put those two together and then you, you've got these two parents who get captured or, you know, they go totally MIA. And then keeping in the Nickelodeon vein, we're going back to like a Hey Arnold's parents situation. Yeah. We don't know what, we don't know what the hell happened to his parents, but he just stayed in his fancy ass boarding house loft in New York the Nickelodeon canon is filled with characters whose parents are mostly like unknown (laughs) I'd be like or died. So or, yeah, sounds like I mean yeah I mean it's, we're we're it sounds like a Disney movie. <laughs> right. When's the, when is one or both less hero's journey go. element? I think to yeah. the to the Nickelodeon character. Just anyway, so Dora the Explorer goes yeah. to high school. I think I think we're setting ourselves up for like a Mean Girls type deal here. Yeah, of course, and it definitely feels as though it's like here's this high school comedy. Here's this. Here's this character that we pr- traditionally see in one place. It's all, it's almost a, a lot like uh, uh, this ain't knife. It's a it's a it's a real knife. Fuck. This is me being hammered, not knowing what movie. Uh, yeah. Not Steve Irwin, but uh, Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee. There we go. Uh, it's a lot like Crocodile Dundee, right? Like here's this character who mostly understands the world to be uh, like he's in the jungle. He's he's fight. You know, he's fighting crocodiles. Uh, and then now we're putting him in Los Angeles. Like yeah. that's the pitch, right? Yeah. It's like. We have this girl. She mostly understands the world to be the jungles of Africa and South America and learning, I guess, <laughs> from what I know about the show. And then we're going to put her in high school. Let's see what it's all about. And then, like, that's really not... We don't even get any real good jokes out of that. No. Right? Like, I mean, we kind of just drop her in there and it's like, okay, cool. Like, you, she gets to go through the metal detector... Well, the, I, mean, the, the, I mean, the first thing we figure out is that a she doesn't fit in. Yes. It's like okay, you know, of course, she, obviously, she, she 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 doesn't fit in. Blah blah blah. She runs into a locker. It's you know, she, she brings a Bowie knife to school for God knows what reason. For what now? Yeah. yeah, protection. I mean, it's like I mean, yeah, shit. Right. You know, grew up in the jungle. You did that too, right? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I'm obviously. not weird or anything. Right? Yeah. So the so I mean that happens, and then we we realize she's totally a fish out of water. She meets Diego, who apparently we have to make a comment on how he's tall. Yeah, great. Good for her. And then, yeah. like, within, like, probably the... I mean, what I would assume would be the first week of school of her trying to adjust. Her parents are captured by, I mean, what I assume is some unknown bioterrorist organization that's like, hey, we're going to we're gonna do this shit. Or they probably just want to get rich. It's probably, it's probably very... 
continuing with Die Hard. It's probably very much a Die Hard situation. Totally. So we're trying to make money. But then the thing that gets me is they're not cracking. They're not cracking. They're not. They're not engaging in some form of brutal torture to get it out of them. Because that's like, I mean, who who wouldn't crack under torture? And then their solution. These these brilliant people have You know, who have you know captured the world's like foremost. What I would assume wildlife specialists, like a la, you know, Nigel and Marianne Thornberry. Yeah. I mean, essentially. Classic. That's essentially. I mean, shit. We could call this the Wild Thornberries for all we care at this point. Actually, might be better. This is way more the wild thornberries. What the fuck are we talking about? Uh, it's true, but even the wild thornberries never attempted to actually drop them into high school, did it? Or was there never uh, there nah, might have been? Honestly. I mean, I mean, they, you know, they try to they try to teach them high school on the road. It's more like, oh, we're out here and we're gonna we're gonna try and push into you know we're gonna try to bring the the regular world right. to these you know kind of estranged kids who are you know stuck out in wildlife. Can you buy into the concept that Dora is capable of violence? What a dark question to have to ask. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she's in high school now, right? So, I mean, we knew her when she was nine or ten. Sure. So, or I mean, so for you in your mind, this is one hundred percent like she has jumped the few years we haven't thought or heard about Dora. She is now those years were her growing up, and now we're in high school. We went yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, no, I'm here for that. I mean, I mean, there's no doubt where it's like the entire the, the entire duration of her adolescence, at least according to our television canon. Sure. She is. She's parentless. She is growing up. She, she's growing up without. She is growing up without any parental influence. Maybe short of Diego, who's also an adolescent himself and yeah. probably dumb as a post, yeah. just adventurous. But you know, with no company but a monkey, a talking backpack, which we never see, never in, in the trailer. Yeah, and you, you want to know where she gets violent? Yeah, it's like sure, it's cute when you're four to seven years old, but as soon as you get, you know, as soon as you turn eight, nine, or ten, and have a true concept of what's mine, that motherfucker swiper. Yeah, he's swiping from her her whole damn life. Yeah, she realizes like, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, I hope we don't see swiper in this movie. It's Benicio like Benicio del Toro. No, she would. What? Yeah, I totally missed that part. Well, he uh, not not featured in this trailer. I don't believe. Okay, but. but anyway, so I mean, the concept of like you know you got Swiper, especially now you know played by Benicio del Toro. There's no doubt that he's going to be a menacing character who sneaky. is who has gone from just merely antagonizing her and trying to swipe and living by you know some kind of honorable rules of a thief. Sure. Where if at least you say like three times, uh uh-uh, uh, not a chance, man. You ain't stealing from me. Uh uh-uh. uh, Benicio del Toro. Embodying Swiper, Swiper pr- clearly. You're about to take a sip of this drink, and I'm going to tell you. Do you know who pl- who's playing Boots? Boots. Oh, was it? Uh, no, no, no. Because no, I did. Because I've I've heard about this. It's not Willem Dafoe. No. It's not Ron Perlman. No. It's. I feel like you're very not close. But I want you to take a sip, and if you have to take a sip, a sip. Uh, Danny Trejo. I was going to have you do a spit take if you needed to, but Danny Trejo. Yes, that was it. It's okay. I'd seen it. I'd seen it, but not just, in this trailer. Either. Not in the trailer. You don't hear him. No, like, I don't. I think they announced that that he was in the movie, and then the trailer came out, uh, and and then here we are. But I, I think that there was, you know, they have him clearly filmed, but they, we don't have uh, any Dane Trejo. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's but you know, there's what no, there's an no inspired that. casting choice. Yeah, and it's 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 brilliant. It's brilliant. And what what I'm really curious about is play it on me. You know. Is are you gonna are they you know are you gonna capitalize are you gonna capitalize on his persona of you know 
rough and tumble. We like only hope. he's like he's like yo, I, I came from a hard living. Blah blah blah. Like I mean, so many so many people. Know if Dora's gonna whip how fucking into shit this. at people's faces, the only thing I can hope is that Boots at some point fucking just murdered people in jail or fucking or like ran cartels. Yes, <laughs> or he pulls a complete one eighty because I mean the first the first impression that I ever had of Danny Trejo as a kid, he's he's. He's Uncle Machete. Of course, yes. He's not, course, he's not Machete. He's not Machete. He's not the fucking rapist dude in Con Air. Yes. He's Uncle Machete. He's Uncle Machete. Yeah, and of course. And it's like a brilliant, you know, brilliant, super intelligent inventor who is, you know, a bit of a curmudgeon. But then, you know, his his niece and nephew steal his fucking plane, take it to save their parents. And he's like, he's like, God damn it, I'm a fucking curmudgeon. But you remind me so much of me because I'm an outcast. Shout out to Robert Rodriguez. Yes. For- of reasons beyond me, including yeah. that as being part of the movie, uh, Spy Kids. If you know, Spy Kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, this. Yeah, that was Spy. Yeah, right. Spy Kids. Final question: Who is this for? <laughs> it's a simple four-word question, it's but I us. really don't know. It's for us. Is it? It's for us. So, it's, but it's, I only vaguely remember the. Cons- I feel like in that way, what you're positing by saying that is that this is a little bit like when Steve Gun, uh, Steve Gun, not Steve Gun, uh, James Gun, James Gun wrote the Scooby-Doo movie for people in their generation to be like, this is a movie where we all clearly knew that they smoked weed in that van Mm. and they thought that dog talked. And like, and then that's kind of not what it ended up being. Like the movie was far more straightforward towards children. Yeah. The the original Scooby-Doo live action movie. Exactly. And I wonder like, we're slightly old for the Dora thing. Like, is this movie for us? Like, or, or people that, we're actively in that generation. Your sister. I will say, I will Your say, sister. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. yeah. I'll, go, I'll go back to what I said. The, co- the cohort that's like really right before us that's on that threshold. You know, the ones who were young enough to watch and enjoy Dora the Explorer. Me being more familiar with it just because it, it was a show. It was a show that my sister liked. It was something that was constantly on the TV. Sure. And I had exposure to. And it's like, even at that age, like even when I was older, it's like I wasn't watching any other television channels. It's like I was still trying to grow out of Nickelodeon, but not really caring about anything else that was on TV. Sure. So in the background, it'd be like, okay, cool. There's put, put Nickelodeon on TV. Like, oh shit, it's the summer, it's the morning. Of course, Nick Jr.'s course. on. Yeah. Of course, it's on. But I think, not necessarily when I say us, but I think they. I mean, I think they may they may get younger kids who do watch Door of the Explorer or came, you know, way earlier. But it, it'll it'll be just you know it'll be for the wow factor. It's yeah. like oh Dora the Explorer, whatever. Whether or not the action is something that's suited for kids that age is different. But I go back to my, I mean probably our generation where it's like we understood it as kids relatively. Sure. The generation before us where it's you know ones that actually watched it when they were young, but are hopefully old enough. Well, I mean yeah no she I mean my sister's like you know she's twenty one right now. Yeah. So it's it's she she and myself have an understanding that like oh. This is a. I mean, we're we're gonna take a whole lot of we're gonna take a whole lot of liberty with this. Sure. But it's marketed towards folks like us who grew up with it, but are old enough to know like they're grown up. There's a there. We're gonna tackle some you know relative adult issues, but we're gonna make this fun. It's gonna be something that you knew innocent and funny as a child, and we're gonna make it adult. Yeah, I'm curious to know if. If and when I watch this, how much I'll look at it and go, oh, this is like a kid's Indiana Jones. Like, I can't be mad at this. This is just, like, a natural evolution of a character who is, for the most part, like, you know, still a kid's character. You know, Indiana Jones is as much a a character for eight-year-olds as it is a 40-year-old's. Yeah, actually. But, I mean, that's that's actually – and props to them. It's like, you've you've created a hero character out of, you know – 
a lot of wisdom that you, you know, I mean, an eight-year-old hero, which is like you see him in one way, yeah. and then suddenly you're our age, and you're like, oh. Although, granted, Indiana Jones 100% pushes that guy into a, a moving propeller in the first movie and blood sprays all over the thing, and in the second movie, they rip out a beating heart. So, one maybe not for eight-year-olds, but we watched it nonetheless. Back then, but I mean, can't, hey. Can't be mad. But. I mean, it's like in Harrison Ford's honor, it's like Han shot first, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. He's, he, he's, a, he's a dirty anti-hero. Yeah. Um, let's jump into Joker. Joker. <laughs> a dirty anteater. Oh, you know. Dirty anteater. No. Dur- oh, dirty anti-hero. You call you call you call Indiana Jones a dirty anteater. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Alright. Yeah. Anyway. But Joker. Joker. Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose. To bring laughter and joy to the world. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? I watched this trailer initially and had very little thought about it. (laughs) If I have to be honest with you. I'm coming from a different place where the the only DC movie, no, two actually, I should say, but one I don't even really consider within the DC canon because they're trying to save yeah. it from what it was. Yeah. I've only seen two DC movies in the canon. I saw Wonder Woman because everybody hyped it up. Correct. Overrated. Yeah. Great. Also the prevailing thought, I think, yes. these days. Yeah. Great, but overrated. And then Suicide Squad. Just which is because I had no knowledge of Suicide Squad, but I was like, great, let's get all the super This is the second pod in a row, by the way, where Suicide Squad was brought up. Yes. Well, I didn't know about that one before, but something about it. What's the song that's in it? Uh in the trailer. That uh, I don't know either. I'm having a... No. I mean, if we're talking about songs and trailers, I can talk to you about Watchmen a la 2009 and how I was very pissed off that they decided to use a song from Muse as the main thing for the trailer. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And then I feel like butchered the movie. Yeah. That's a different story. Different story. This is uh, quite the trailer. Todd Phillips. uh, Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. So, I remember exactly what I was going to say. So, it's like... Having seen Wonder Woman, having seen Suicide Squad, right. it's like I've got I've got both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. of the DC realm, and it's like I mean DC's taking body shots left and right, where they're trying to live in the spirit of Christopher Nolan and what he did with the Batman series, but then it's like they don't want to go down the same road as Marvel, which is like, hey, we're going to be totally upfront about how fucking crazy our movies are. It's like, oh great, you know, cool. Here's a superhero Iron Man, like billionaire has you know whatever. Here's a super experiment with you know the American soldier, and you've got Chris Evans and Captain America. It's pretty blunt about the yeah. way that it puts its, its, hero, it's well, the situation I mean, like, and I don't even think those are crazy I think those are traditional hero archetypes but then it's like oh by the way we'll do Guardians of the Galaxy here's a raccoon with a rocket launcher yeah like here's like we'll, like, we'll take the risk and then we'll really take the they risk they finally figured out that I think by that point they were like fuck it like these people will follow anything yeah like, we'll, we can do whatever yeah, we want <laughs> we'll go we'll, we'll go campy we'll keep true to it but we'll go campy we yeah. won't try and go super serious okay. and where nolan succeeded with them being very dark with you know him being dark with the batman universe it's like that's a great that's a great idea but i think that dc went too far in trying to apply it because i think they do have 
I mean, their content tends to be a little more serious. Like, they did Watchmen. They they did, I think they, I don't know if they had, no, they didn't do V for Vendetta. But they tend, they tend to yeah. tackle, like, you know, somewhat more tragic characters in terms of their beginnings. And so I've got those two sides of DC where it's like Wonder Woman and then you've got, you know, Suicide Squad. And I never saw any of the Batman or Superman movies. But I will attempt to lay out some of the groundwork. Mm-hmm. As someone who has not seen Wonder Woman and has not seen Aquaman and has not seen Justice League, mm-hmm. which I think are the last three, but saw the, the groundwork that What's-His-Name laid, uh, who did Watchmen uh, and Z- 300, oh, Zack Z- Snyder. Zack Snyder, yeah. yeah. Zack Snyder, who has recently come out, we should say, with controversial thoughts about uh, Batman and his ability to kill in the, in the movies, uh, basically claiming that, yeah, of course, what the fuck, get over yourself, child. Uh, for sure, Batman murdered people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know, watch a lot of those TV shows, uh, watch a lot of movies, also watched a, uh, or read some comics. Don't think he really murdered people. It's mm-hmm. a weird, into, you know, weird thing to read into. Um, I do think that this attempts to exist a little bit more in the... Uh, canon of nolan you know i think the thing that nolan exceeds at and i think you you might agree with this as well is that like his movie is very singular it doesn't seem to acknowledge most the outside dc canon uh i mean it really exists it really draws only upon what happens in batman yeah uh we pull in characters from there we pull in easter eggs from there but this is not attempting to build on something greater i think the thing that Zack snyder and dc at large don't really 100 percent understand is that to draw up on something greater is really kind of a mistake. Like the reason that movie works so well is you have this really clear defined trilogy where you get to explore a character Mm -hmm. and Zack Snyder just wants to paint a canvas with as much action as he can. Mm -hmm. And, um, perhaps largely to the detriment of his own characters. Like those become such a CGI kind of fucking shit show of just like, explosions and superheroes destroying everything to all the extent it's like what is even the end of those movies and i think that's kind of the newer ones too and and suicide squad also as interesting a movie as it could have been is a pretty weird fucking movie where it's mostly kind of by the end a big cgi shitstorm it's like a bunch of shit happening Mm -hmm. um this does not seem to be that it seems to try and channel a lot of the Nolan energy. It's a lot of like, what if this was a character study? Well, it's funny, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I don't. I mean, at least looking at it, my first instinct isn't this is Nolan, which isn't sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think Nolan. It's like I definitely agree that it is. We're gonna we're gonna explore the darker aspects of it, and one of those one of those sides of it that that I think is most interesting is, and this is a problem that I actually have with Nolan where I think he is, I think he does a, he does a very good job viscerally and mentally with what, I mean, especially in keeping with a lot of his movies that he keeps within PG 13 range. Yeah. He does a good job of going through at least the mental gymnastics and kind of the visceral qualities of a lot of the conflicts his characters are having. Sure. I have never, I mean, and I, and I like really, really, really loved Nolan in high school, but as I got older, I never, 
I never really felt that he captured the emotional aspect of his characters. And sure. I mean, one of the big things, like, I mean, it's kind of hard to do that with Batman because you associate it with action, you associate it with violence. And but, also an entire canon that pre-exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like there's a bias going in there. But, you know, I go with, you know, probably his probably his most original picture, like the one where he had free reign after he proved that he could do anything with whatever was given to him. Inception, where it's like that is that is a visceral and mental, and I mean, I mean, so so much about it is is masterful. But the one thing that I was never really able to get with with any of his characters, it's like Leo DiCaprio's through line is a very emotional story to get back to his family. Yeah, but I, I and you know, it's like you know his love with his love with Marion Cotillard's character. I was like, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't believe this love. Yeah. I don't I don't believe it. It's too it's too tragic. There is no I don't feel any emotional moments of, you know, tr- you know, trueness or resonance with the two of them. It's like I just feel like she's trying to fuck him over constantly. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's like, you know, this desperate sap who's trying to like figure it out and very capable. But I don't know the degree to which like traditionally at least for me like you're right. I think I think the knock against Nolan a lot is a lenience towards plot and not necessarily towards emotion. Like I, I do think that's kind of a regular kind of conversation is that like the guy knows how to weave a very cinematic, a very uh, compelling narrative, but I don't know necessarily the degree to which we care a lot. And I think about the prestige a lot too. Like the prestige is, you know, post Batman begins kind of him still training wheels with the, the major motion yep. picture thing, but uh, a great movie, but not necessarily one where I necessarily care a lot about the characters. I'm more, interested in watching the thing that happens exactly i I wonder you know we we, you know this trailer in particular it's like todd phillips is a gifted director he clearly knows how to make movies he did the hangover movies and he did uh a fuck uh due date (laughs) you know all featuring robert tang jr another superhero but um and he clearly knows how to get the raw emotion out of stuff i think those movies are pretty emotional even though they're very comedic Mm -hmm. This, I'm, it feels like this strange in-betweens. Like, it's a very character-driven, clearly attempting to be a motion-driven thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, I wonder the degree to which, because it's channeling a lot of the kind of visual uh, competency of a Nolan film, or even a Scorsese movie. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean it, it feels like they got Wally Pfister for it. Yeah. To that degree. Like, they're, they're, it's, very, it's very The Dark Knight. Of course. It's and very. I wonder how much the visual language of it is informing the fact that it's like, it's kind of weird that there's not, it's not a plot-driven arc. Like, it's kind of like, here's a guy. He's the Joker. <laughs> yeah. And I think... It's 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 weird. I mean, a I love that they got Joaquin Phoenix for this. Yeah, I, and I, he I, seems like he's very good. Yeah. So one of the more, because I mean, everything they've done with the Joker, there was you know as that character has evolved, as he's become more manic and crazed and insane and murderous, it's like Jack Nicholson. He was great for that era. Yeah. When Batman, like when. I mean, well, comics in general, it's like, we're not going to take a serious approach to it. Of course. We're not going to take a serious approach to it. At that point, it was groundbreaking. Yeah, it was, you know. And so, you know, moving down that line, it's like, okay, I I mean, the furthest outlier, which, again, I think everybody agrees to... I mean, is Heath Ledger? Like, yeah. To, to the degree where it's like, yes, like, his character, everything about it is masterful... But one of the one of the things that I find most fascinating about that is like no, I mean no one has a tendency to you know he'll he'll pick out of the box actors. But the thing that got me was just where where in the hell did he think 
let's do Heath Ledger. Like, I, I don't even think that would have been something from the get-go with him. I, th- I, th- I think I, I, I slightly disagree. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, because I think that in terms of visual portrayals of the Joker, his thing is the clearest mm. connection to... And I'm not even thinking the character. I'm think I'm thinking the visual makeup. And no, all I'm, thi- I'm oh. thinking I'm thinking I'm thinking Heath Ledger as an actor and what he was known as up until. Oh, okay. Interesting. Just, I mean, I mean every like all the roles, all the roles that Heath Ledger played, where, like, what what you know what would motivate Nolan or you know hopefully his casting director to think of Heath Ledger for this character because it's like you've got the dude who is known from what is it. Ten things I hate about you. Yep, you've got him known. Broke back mountain. Broke back mountain. I mean, and that, that's that's even bigger stuff. I'm trying to think. Sure. When he was younger, it's like Knight's Tale. Knight's uh, like Knight's Tale was like that was his Hollywood role. But then yeah. it's like like the guy the guy was the versatility to do Knight's Tale, but then to play Lords of Dog to Town. skip and Bloom in Nor- yeah. Lords of Dogtown. Sure, you know it's just like I mean, I should go back and watch Lords of Dogtown because. I mean that that guy was probably only thirty at yeah. that time, but he. Yeah, yeah, I mean, younger. he plays he plays somebody so utterly captivating when I think about it now. But there's like for all of that, it's like he's got great range and he's a Hollywood star and he looks great and he's young. What was what was the what was the idea to pinpoint him into that role? I don't know. I yeah, I, I think that what's interesting is like. If you made me a list, if you gave me a list of all of the characters, entirety, like canon of, of potential actors that could play the Joker, and you're like, circle five, I think Joaquin Phoenix would have been on the list. Yes. If only because it seems like he's the kind of guy who would, if I look at the canon of actors, right, and the Joker, you know, people love to roll their eyes and be like, oh, the Joker as like, as some kind of, you know, comedic, or not comedic, acting gift, right? Like, this guy where if you're an actor, this is one of the roles you want to play, which is kind of a surreal thing to say, but also it's like... Well, if you look at Mark Hamill's voice role in the animated yep. role, which is to me the definitive like mm. vocal interpretation of what the Joker is, but also Cesar Romero in the '50s show, Nicholson, fucking mm-hmm. Ledger, I would almost, I, I, not almost, I would definitely throw fucking Leto in there, where it's like I don't think he's necessarily the ideal interpretation, yeah, but for sure someone who's going fucking at it. Oh yeah, no, he 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 did, he did everything with that role, like he's I, doing it. I th- I I thoroughly thoroughly. Loved Jared Leto in that role. He's going big, yeah. And it is, and it, it it is it is a take. It is a take of one that is rooted less in the old school. It is, of course, it is rooted far more in the almost 21st aggressively. Century. So here is an aggressive twenty first century Joker. I mean, like, I mean, you know, the dude looks like a comedic version of Post Malone. Of course, it's just like tattoos, like you know, top of the here, top of the here. It's like, but there, there is, there is a, there is a, there is a theatrical, but reserved form of theatricality to it. It isn't so overt. It's like, it's like, hey, yeah, this guy's fucking wild. And it is, to me, the same thing as, like, looking at it, if we were looking at the Canada things, is, like, the way that the Joker looked in the 80s with Nicholson versus Ledger in the 2000s. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, of course those guys look different. The world changed. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, and it's the same thing as me looking and be like, yeah, you're, like, a shitty SoundCloud rapper. Yeah. But also, I don't know. Feel, doesn't feel incorrect and I guess I look at this and I'm like I don't know you know I like Phoenix a lot and I do think he's like doing some decent mm-hmm. acting in this trailer but I, I wonder the degree to which maybe he's not the guy to play the Joker in a movie in 20 you know uh, 19 yeah it's 
but but at the same time, it's like we we are seeing like we want we want this aggressive return in cinema to to realism. Like sure. we want even even if it is escapism, we want it to somehow be in touch with reality. Sure. And so it's like Joaquin is an older guy, but at the same time, in terms of his versatility and being able to pull off the role in a trailer, can only do it so much justice. But I think about him, him as an actor, where it's like you know you have him, you have him. I mean, a you have him living in the shadow of River Phoenix. Yes. But then you have, but then you have you have you have his you know his filmography. It's like I mean the first the first role that at least I can recall of him in any significance is is a just maniacal creeping malevolent individual that is Commodus. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's gladiator. It's like, you know, well, most people, I think in the, the image of in their mind is him is, as that. Yeah. Is Commodus. And he is, you know, he has proven, but he, I mean, he has proven his versatility as an actor where it's like, I mean, you, you always see him has like this, some degree of unstable, shady, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, you had him there. Then you had him in his own, like, well, also his own life just projects that, yeah, right? His, like his own he, life. He did the, he did the documentary. Uh, uh, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still and it's still like, here. He's, and, and the letter performs all that is like, I think he really pitches himself as this guy who's like kind of an unstable individual, yeah. like this guy who could go off at any time. So by that token, you know, sure. he, but I, I had always known him like there was this, there was this unsettling creepiness to him. But then the other side of it, um, you know, last year's movie, I was never, you were never really here. You were never really here. Yeah. You were never really here. He's excellent. Yeah. He is still that degree of instability, but behind that, instead of feeling, instead of feeling creeped out, I feel this, I feel this, this air of very determined competence where it's yeah. like, yes, I know he's dangerous, but I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like his danger will come from a place of like, like unstable, you know, whatever the, I mean, not being a maniac. Yeah. Sobriety almost like, or, so uh, I, I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like it would come from the version of the Joker or Commodus or like somebody who is unstable for reasons yeah. that we can't predict. It's like they're in control. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're someone who's, who's aware of their, of themselves. Yeah, He is aware yeah. of his vulnerabilities. He keeps a very tight cap on them and it, it is only in moments of absolute necessity where he knows how to unleash it. Flips or yeah. if it, if it is unleashed unwillingly, oh, yeah, words unwillingly, yeah. it comes from a place of immense, immense, immense stress yes i i yeah i i yeah i still I, it's not that i don't think that necessarily he can get to that place like mm-hmm. i i think that obvi- the joker is a pretty obvious like pick like if you were to tell me heath ledger dropped out it's like why were you not getting mocking phoenix in yeah. 2008 right like exactly like he is a guy who clearly understands the role yeah. perhaps to a level that a lot of actors yeah can't and he is in. i mean even even at the end of the trailer it's like we show him you know you show him through his wardrobe he is transforming over the course yeah. of the trailer and at the very end like i mean his suit and what he is wearing is essentially like at the end of that trailer he looks like he looks like what the joker would look like in full makeup before the robbery in the first movie right it's almost like you know i mean he's got the same he's got the same suit and vest on it's like it's clean it's crisp it's more it's maroon in this trailer yeah. as as opposed to violet and you know of deep purple and the other, you know, in Dark Knight, but it's like it almost looks like at the end of this trailer, he walks into some serious shit before the robbery. It's like everything goes south, and he's like, you know what? We're still going to do this robbery. We're going to go do it. Yeah, but Dubert, how much? How many times can a guy get beat up in a trailer? It's like, come on. 
Yeah, I mean, you gotta figure that out. Like, I mean, well, the, I mean, the first one, all he does is he gets mobbed by children, by children who do not like that he's a, a sandwich artist, <laughs> a guy who is flipping signs in yeah. front of the subway. Exactly. Well, the, I mean, the other, the other side of it too is like, I mean, so many, it's like, so many folks treat him like a you know a freak. And so, first off, I want to know like when within this origin story does this take place? Because it's like, how often do you see clowns in seriousness anymore? They've they've been you know, they've, they've been taken on so many different rides. Like, they're no longer these innocent characters unless you really, really, really make them innocent. Yeah. But it's a corrupt, you know, it's a corrupted vision. But then the other side, the beat-up scene that gets me is when he's on the train. Yeah. So it's like he's sitting there, you know, in his clown costume, and he just, like, you know, starts laughing out loud. And there's, like, you know, these three or four fucking wasp-looking businessmen that are sitting on the train. God knows what hour it is. But late. In Chicago. Yeah, it's like, at what moment in time do you decide, like... I mean, you see a dude in a clown outfit alone in a train car, like, laughing insanely to himself. Why do you decide to go up and antagonize and beat the shit out of him? Why do you not immediately leave the vicinity? That's what I don't understand. I've I've spent many days of my life not beating people up. I've also spent many days of my life not seeing people beat up. And I I have spent many days of my life, believe it or not, not getting beat up. Yes. (laughs) So it happens a lot in yes. this trailer, at least several times. Yes. Um, last thing I'll say about it, and this is uh, you know no longer really that original thought, but like there aren't a lot of inciting incident in the sense that it's like it's a very slow progressive burn in this trailer. It's like yeah, he gets beat up a couple times, but this movie seems to imply that the entirety of it is an inciting inciting incident. This is like this is the entirety of us finding out a villain how they become a villain. And I don't know how interesting that is to me. Like, I, I, I'm, I, I will go see this movie. I think it's a well-cut trailer. I, I, I just wonder, like, I don't know. Like, I watch a lot of movies. You know, it's, I don't know how much I want to watch Jason Lee become the bad guy of The Incredibles over the entirety of The Incredibles. You know, it's like, that seems very sociopathic in ways that I'm not interested. Like, there's no trace of Batman. Maybe that's, you know, part of this trailer. But it seems like we see his dad. And his dad is an older man who probably doesn't have kids quite yet. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, how much do I give a shit? Like, what what brings the Joker down? Or is this just simply a portrayal of a man becoming a monster? Because that isn't that interesting to me. Like, I don't need to see... It. I already don't want to see people become good guys. I definitely don't want to see people become bad guys. Like, what, what, what am I missing, I guess? Well... I mean, it, it almost feels in many ways it's 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 a reverse hero narrative where yeah. part, I mean part of it just being in the in the nature of what a trailer is they don't want to give away everything obviously yeah but the other side of that is I think we we see all these incidences of this you know hopefully what is already you know I mean an unstable individual you know being brought to the very being brought to the very brink of everything yeah and so. You know, we we don't want to show we don't want to show the most you know the crucial scene. Sure. It's the it scene. It's the X factor. It is the one that pushes him over the edge. Hopefully, we'll give you know a lot more exposition and depth to this character because I mean, they're I mean they're they're trying to put the pieces together. Hopefully, you know, hopefully the trailer is not doing it justice in this case because you know you you kind of get a feeling for the reasoning of. You know the re- the Joker gives his reasoning. He gives his biased reasoning as to why he does what he does. He's like he's like it's there's it's a very 
I guess, uh, theatrical version of nihilism. Where yes. like every everything, everything is subjective. Like, let me compare it to this. Allow me to compare this to this. And sure. It's like it's like, yeah, you can make those comparisons until the end of the day. A lot but of through lines. But yeah. it's like within within the vacuum of where we are right now. It's like, you know, there's there I think there is a degree of nihilism within his character. And so I think we're going down that realm of at least, you know, what Joaquin Phoenix's character is showing within the trailer is he at least as a clown character and as the traditional spirit of what the clown is, it's like I'm trying to bring I'm trying to bring not only happiness into the world, but by through bring you know by bringing happiness into it, hopefully there will be something deeper. There will be a sense of sure. meaning that is created, even if it is not even if it isn't meaning for him, like the meaning for him may be doing this. But he is hoping that by bringing by bringing that and sharing it with the world, that it will spark that same inspiration in somebody else, and they will go on to do something meaningful. And so, what I what I think this might be is as his character, because it's like I think happiness is a shallow concept. It's like it's I mean, even the soundtrack. It's so important to make someone happy. Right. They never say it, but that's that's that song. It's so important. It's to, so, so happy. So just important to make someone happy. We use that as the through line of this character. But as the world, as he is a man constantly, constantly browbeaten by rejections of your happiness is not what we want. Your happiness is futile. Your happiness is this, which we hope translates into meaning. The world retaliates to him and he becomes jaded. It's, you know, there's only so much he can take. Smile, though your heart is... Beating. That's I, all I got. They, I just, I just, I just keep going. I just keep going back to the Coca-Cola commercials at Christmas. Yeah, it's so important yeah. to make someone happy. It's okay. like a, it's like a slightly more alto version of Danny DeVito from It's Always Sunny. What a thing that's been said on this podcast: the alto version of Always Sunny, <laughs> Danny DeVito. Also a Batman reference. I like it. Yeah. Um, ready to do some rapid fire. Need a refresher? Need Rapid one. fire, boom. All right, I have got... Cool, I can flip my pages. Let's do it. Do we flip those pages? Let's do it. Let's start with Pennyworth, since we're really transitioning from a yeah. very surreal uh, Batman uh, one-off to another Batman one-off, something that is canonically not really connected in any way, but is does have the DC stamp of approval. Seems like it's, uh, it's just a, a quick, you know, 20-second teaser, so there's not a lot to belabor of it, but I mean, like... I, I guess the major question that's worth asking is like, do you give a shit about Alfred Pennyworth? <laughs> One side, it's like, oh hey, you know, Alfred's a badass, and it's like people is have all, people have all their interpretations. Uh, people have all their interpretations where it's like, well, for me, it's like, oh hey, like here's is Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Michael Caine, he's gonna be Alfred, and it's like you, I mean, you know, she was only you, seventeen. You know Michael Caine's roster, his fucking roster of movies, and he's just like, yeah. you, I would, I automatically associate that with Michael Caine. And I'm like, all right, cool, gone in 60 seconds, blah blah blah, like right. all these, all these kind of suave, Batman. these yeah. suave James Bond characters without being James Bond, Italian, exactly job, the Italian yeah. job, like all that shit. And then the other side of it is, it's like, all right, cool, like you know, if this dude is kind of this badass when he's a little older, what was he like when he was younger? Because I mean, you've got to be a certain kind of individual to take care of somebody as like relatively sociopathic as Bruce Wayne, of course, yeah. And have an understanding for what that was. 
It's so true. That was that was kind of my thing. And then the, because I tie it to Michael Caine, I immediately think like, oh, here's the origin story of how Alfred becomes Alfred. And then when Bruce Wayne dies at some point, Alfred goes off on his own and he becomes Harry Brown. And Harry Brown was that like it was some movie basically where Michael Caine's a hitman. Wow. Yeah, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, and I I never even saw Harry Brown, but I want to see it because I know that Michael Caine's a fucking hitman in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Pennyworth. It's it, we should kind of set up uh, if you haven't watched it yet. It's it's a very quickly cut thing. Like it's a it's a very. It's I like, mean, it's based to the metronome. Bam! Tick, yeah. Tick tock. Tick tock. And he, you know, uh, he's got an umbrella moment. He he gets to kind of shoot out the backseat of a car in mm-hmm. a moment. It's uh, you know we get the DC logo prominently. It's, yep. It's a it's a very flashy trailer yep. by all accounts. I mean, I know it's mostly kind of meant as a YouTube bumper, probably. Or it, like, it, I mean, it's it's a television show, right? It's on Epics. Yes. You remember all the shows you've ever watched on Epics? No, the only, I never saw any shows on Epics. All I know, don't fucking all I know is that Epics would get they would get movies. They would get movies. And I'm like, oh hey, we're showing this on Epics. Yeah, I don't even know where to get Epics. I don't know if it was a subscription. No, if it's an no app. one fucking knows. If you fucking know, you tell us. No one fucking knows. I just see it on billboards. No one knows. It's like, who, how am I going to get the show? I don't know. That's why they picked the least interesting character of the it's Batman the, universe. It's, it's, I mean, it's the black hole of streaming. But at Ugh. the same time, it's like, like he's a boring character within the universe at some points. He at offers the- all his wisdom. But I'm like, yo... If this guy, if this guy had a life beforehand where he did a lot of shit, well, they try to make him seem like he's kind of relatively hot too. So it's the only thing that can kind of begin to be like, well, I guess and there's a world where like it's Michael Caine because like young Michael Caine isn't the worst looking guy. But then you remember like Batman Forever and you're like that guy can yeah, never no, be. No, fuck that dude. Let's. I mean, let's. Well, think not fuck it. that guy. He's pretty good. <laughs> but he did die, and it's like. Uh, and he well, was a gross-looking guy. Well, let's think about let's think about <laughs> not gross-looking, but he was old. He was an old-looking man. Damn. You don't have to sigh. Like, no, no, no. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember what I was trying to remember. It was something we all are. It was it's all this podcast is. It was important. It was important. It was important. It was related to Alfred. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, okay. Alfred Pennysworth does not need his own TV series. But That's one insane. of the things. One of the things that I wonder. One of the things that I wonder, because there's the moment when it's the very end of the trailer where he turns around and he's just like, he's like, I'm Alfred Pennysworth. Basically introduces himself, yo, here's Great. who I am. And what I'm thinking, because cool the, guy. the dude that we're getting over the shoulder, he's got a mustache, but he looks relatively young. And I'm like, is this when he first meets Bruce Wayne's father? Right. Like, does he start, does he start driving Bruce Wayne's father when like, you know, Alfred's like, you know, 22 years old, and meanwhile, in the 19, whatever the fuck it is, we have billionaire Bruce Wayne. Who I'm not gonna lie to you, that's old. so much more analysis than has ever happened to a singular shot of this podcast. And yeah, I fucking hope that guy was fucking Bruce Wayne. That'd be fucking nuts. Of course, I, I'm thinking I'm, Bruce Wayne was for sure a mustached fuck. Like yes. he didn't have to do that. Yeah. He could have just fucking had a beard like everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Of course, so, he had a fucking mustache prick. Yeah. But like, yeah, I hope that's true. So, or are you gonna watch it? I mean, I don't. Trick question: You don't know where Epics is. Of course, you're not gonna <laughs> fucking watch it. Of course, you're not gonna watch it. No, I would maybe. Watch and honestly, I, I mean, honestly, like, I probably, I probably wouldn't. I need to watch a couple episodes or be aware of it. But it's like, 
I, I, I've, I don't think I've watched any television show versions of Heroes. I think I stopped because I thought like, oh, hey. You, you loved Heroes on NBC? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get through the first season. It's good. Everybody talked about how great a show it was. And I'm like, no, I don't really care. You could roll on after Lost. It was great. No, that was the other thing. I never watched Lost. I thought it was overrated. Lost is great. I also got very spoiled. I got very spoiled because when I watched a shit ton of movies throughout high school, like just, I mean, I watched movies, 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 but as I was moving into college and like kind of transitioning towards that, I was like, shit, I have less time on my hands. I want to watch something shorter, but I want something, you know, substantial. At the time, Breaking yeah, at the time I was watching AMC. Goddamn. AMC. That's what I was watching my movies on, and they kept talking about this show called Breaking Bad. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Watch the first season. I remember just ranting about it through high school and early college, being like, you got to watch this show. But, like, I was like, I didn't know I started with the best. I am so excited to show you a show on AMC that we talked about last episode called Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. It's going to blow your goddamn mind. Nos- AMC is doing a Nosferatu? Oh, all don't right. you worry about it. Um, let's jump into Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, which uh, is quite the trip of a trailer. Yeah, I mean, a lot of changing aspect ratios being thrown at you. I mean, I'm very sometimes confused. Sometimes 4-3, sometimes it's widescreen. We're going for it. I'm very confused about the whole thing. It's Natalie Portman's John Hamm! Yeah, well, yeah, first off, they like, fucked, and you have to reconcile that. Yeah, I mean, obviously. But like, but still, like, all right, let's put them in a movie yeah. anyway. Do it. Ah, uh, man. Well, first I thought it was a movie. First I thought it was an LSD movie. Like, oh, hey, we're going to do Enter the Void, but it's going to be hippies. And, like, Enter the Void, cross with across the universe. But now I'm just like, like, what? Like, Natalie Portman spends an abnormally long amount of time staring at the Earth, comprehending infinity. And then has a mental breakdown when she gets back to Earth, but it's just like, I get the feeling that she's just really in love with space, or like wants to fuck the Earth or something. Yeah, I, I don't know what this movie's about. I mean, I know that she has an affair with John Hamm. I think I mostly know that because I read a synopsis yep. uh, when the trailer came out. Oh, you know what Keep it going, is. keep oh, going, yeah. keep going. Um, I think it's more straight sci-fi. Uh, it's like straight up like... I mean, there's nothing like weird and supernatural happening here. It's 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 a, it's a sci-fi movie. It's it's basically uh, you know gravity or something. It's like it's theoretically bound to the ground uh, the rules of, of I was gonna say gravity, but uh, uh, of the of world s- like of science. Yeah, yeah dynamics. We're here. Whatever like, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of like mischief happening here. Not pretty standard trailer. Um, and that's all I got. Like it, it I, I don't know. Like I don't. I, I, I genuinely, other than the idea of wanting to see uh, Natalie Portman and, and John Hamm, you know, do things together, I don't actually like know what I think this movie's about. Well, and I'm, I'm probably in relatively the same same ship ship as you. But one of the things that I find fascinating is that you know there was, you know, the first thing that struck me was was the cast they got for this. Okay. So it's, so it's like you've got like you said Natalie Portman, John Hamm, you've got. You've got the guy who played like the best-looking dude in Downton Abbey. Yep. So you've got you've got him. You've got um, oh god, what is it? Who's uh, Zazie Beetz? Zazie, Zazie Beetz and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, ScarJo's in there. So I'm just like, I don't know if this was adapted from a book or if this is an original script. No idea. Like, but if this if this is an original script, it's like, like. And I don't know who who who's who's the director Noah was it Noah Travoy Noah Travoy no, Noah Travoy uh, I thought it started with that maybe well, I mean what else is he, what else has he done I don't know I, I feel like I I feel like I've heard it the says name. from director Noah what it's yeah name, but so you know if this is an if this is an original story I'm like okay 
what what is so good about this script like on a on a business end what made all the agents and managers think i gotta get my a-lister on this movie do we think it's because it's like it has enough of the like uh you know i don't know if you saw first man at all no uh, the movie with ryan gosling but it's like you know first man is a similar straight sci-fi movie you know it's obviously like they go up in space it, but there is a tether there to like uh or, or it's a lot like uh uh, Apollo 13 in that sense. It's like mm. there's a lot of, of on the ground kind of drama. It's like that's part of why we're drawing you in, dude. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like how can we get mom and dad and and your parents and your kids to really dig into the whole thing. And it's like I don't know. They're, they're like it feels like this movie has a lot of that kind of DNA. It's like how can we? And obviously the aspect ratio changes are like yeah. indicative of a time switch that's meant to push you into that direction. But. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, part of it is just like. I mean, I still, I still, I still don't necessarily get a vibe for what you know Portman's motivation is. Whether it's like she, she is like struggling with the meaning of the world, or whether it's like I want to go live in space. It's like I don't know, I don't know if she's having a legitimate kind of crisis of faith where sure. she, where she, which where, is very interesting. Yeah, if where, yeah, where, yeah. Where where she, where she is touching on something greater that those folks can't comprehend. Sure. Where it's like you know we're we're going down that realm. Something has blessed her by yeah, being in that yeah, position. Where she, yeah. where she is having some kind of revelation about you know what the world is going to be and what yeah. the possibilities are and they're being very 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 relevant very interesting it's as true. opposed to just like oh here like i'm a chick who's going fucking nuts where like yeah i mean the pacing and the editing and the sound like everything at the very end it like it almost turns into black swan in so many ways just because i'm gonna draw i'm gonna i mean i'll draw upon the natalie portman no yeah and not unintentionally i role. don't think yeah. But, it, but yeah i mean it's like there there is there's is a very deliberate feeling of that kind of panic and un you know uncertainness but it's like, you know, like, I mean, in the case of like Natalie Portman's character in Black Swan and where her character, at least what we get in the trailer, it's like, like, while they are like descending into what we perceive to be insanity or hell, they believe they are on the cusp of something great, of just something. It's a little like, uh, what's the movie that she had earlier this year? Annihilism. An Annihilation. 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 Uh, Annihilism. Annihilation. Annihilation. Which is a lot like. We're on the precipice of the next yeah. great thing. I mean, uh, I guess final question: What did you think of the song stinger at the end? It's like it's clearly a movie that's named Lucy in the Sky, and it's like we get this kind of like, you know, you know, at the very end, the piano keys of the opening chords of, of Lucy in the Sky. I don't know, like seems like kind of a faux kind of like it's like oh we didn't need that i didn't, I didn't need the trailer yeah. to pay for whatever that was yeah you know? it's like you know, we we understand what it is and i'm also, not dumb i understand yeah. what the song is. yeah and I, <laughs> I, you know i i also think it's like you know there's you know there's the tongue-in-cheek degree to it and it's just like okay great we'll do that and you know they're drawing on the fact that it's like okay we got this chick named lucy she's been up you know figuratively in the sky but then you know it's obvious. I'm not, you know, I'm not as familiar with all of the lyrics, the direct lyrics of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Like, everybody knows, like, oh, it's short for LSD. It's yes. short for, it's short for inspiration. It's short for transcendence. It's short for drug trip, whatever you have. And, you know, I think it would be interesting to see, like, you know, on a more visceral level, why did the script writers write this? Why did they call it Lucy in the Sky? Was this some kind of pun, or are they drawing on a deeper theme within that song? Yeah, I for sure knew that it was a reference to drugs, for sure, yeah. Absolutely, that's something we all need, yeah. Exactly. Uh, 100%, yeah, no, don't feel bad about it, yeah. Um, no, I'm interested to see how that all plays out. It's it, it's an interesting move, for sure. Um, we should finally talk about Domino. <laughs> Brian De Palma's uh, very long, <laughs> maligned film, Domino, uh, 
uh, which is finally getting a release, although I believe, much to his chagrin, I don't think he, he wants his movie to be put out into the world. And if you're Brian De Palma, I think you have a lot of reason to say, like, yeah, I directed fucking Scarface. I directed fucking, you know, uh, uh, Mission Impossible, the first one. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you are not a guy who, or the Unstoppable, uh, Unstoppable. Is that what it's called? Ooh. This is the Hein Drunkness talking. Uh, whatever. The movie with Kevin Costner. Yeah. No, 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 The Untouchables. Untouchables. There we go. That's close. Um, but you know like if you're Brian De Palma you're not a guy who's sitting here like yep this is the movie I for sure want to make like this is the thing that I'm interested in doing like come on no one cares yeah I mean it looks bad (laughs) it looks real bad it is you know actually and you know Kate's not here but in the spirit of her being here I'll just ask you a question what is this movie about (laughs) if you had to tell me logline it for me what is this what is this movie about it's got Nicholas Castor Valdor. First off, it's like, you know, Game of Thrones, great. Sure, the great. Only, and the only other thing I've ever seen him in as a, like, I mean, I feel like it's so hard to cast him in the leading role, pulling him off of, a, you know, kind of an entourage piece or an ensemble sure. movie. And there's, playing faux Sawyer. No, yeah. there's a movie, there's a movie, I don't know what country it's from, it might be from Norway or something, something in that region. It's called Headhunters. Mm. And it's, I think it's, I think it's where where he's actually from at least the you know kind of the origin he's dutch yeah dutch so i mean it's 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 in that realm and so the movie is basically about this like you know rich this you know this rich fuck who is like compensating for all his shortcomings with money in his career and then somebody gets dragged into this world with you know what god how do you pronounce it nikolai koster verner uh waldar waldar uh he um He's like a hitman or some shit and gets involved in this world. It's it's strange. Good movie. Worth seeing. Headhunters. Sounds a lot like the movie we're currently watching. Exactly. So <laughs> it's like we're going we're gonna to cast him in this kind of like hitman, gunner-esque role. Cool. But then I'm also just like... Right, Guy Pierce is in this. Guy Pierce, Guy Pierce is in it, which it's like... Not I mean, in the trailer really at all. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last things that... I mean, I mean, the main last thing that I remember him in. I mean, he gets... I mean, I was so amazed the fact that they killed Guy Pierce within the first eight minutes of Hurt Locker. Yeah. They're like, we're going to off this He's dude gone right now. Right, yeah. But, um... Yeah, not a huge... Uh, you know, mostly sticks to Australia these days, I think. Yeah. Um, not a cigarette. Uh, I don't know what this movie's about. It's, it's, it's... We got uh, the... We got, we got some... Uh, we got... I mean... I, the I, cop thing, I think. Are we... I, I mean, are we... Are we getting into some kind of, like, you know, race racism commentary territory? I don't... We, I don't we've know. Got, we've got a dude who's, like, you know, full hair everything, which I assume... You know, I don't know if they put a wig on him or if they're like, hey... That's another thing from a production standpoint. I'm like, if this guy actually looked like that, like you had to pay him a shit ton of money to shave all that off. Sure. Like the payment to do that. But I was just like, what, what are we getting into here? Like suddenly they're going to groom him to become like the perfect hitman. Me, me, meanwhile, like Waldo has to take him down. I don't know. I don't know if it's a hitman movie. I don't know if it's a cop movie. I know that there's a cool scene that seems like it takes place in a bullfight. Uh, which kind of just reminds me reminded me of that Pierce Brosnan aging hitman movie, The Matador. The Matador. I remember. Yeah. I never saw it, but I remember hearing about it. It's surreal that you know what I'm talking about. But it's not. But that's and that's the difference from what is it? The November. The November something. November Man. The no. November Man. Yeah. Well, there's there's yeah. the December Boys, but then is it the November Man? Yeah, November. Where Pierce Brosnan, I think, is also a hitman. Yeah, I think you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, there's that, and there's also a dope scene where he shoves someone's face into uh, piping hot oil. Um, but I, I don't know. Beyond that, like this is a 
incredibly bland trailer. And if you're, you know, Brian De Palma, you have to be sitting there being like, I'm one of the greatest directors theoretically ever. It, like, they would, film people will be studying my movies for long after I'm gone. And then some directed DVD fucking piece of shit that stars Guy Pierce in the second role is not the movie. I what? mean, we hope, you know, we, I mean, that's, I mean, all we can really hope is that, you know, if if this if this is a low point for Brian De Palma, if oh, it, and it if, is. If it is, if it is a low point for him, we may. Did you see the Black Dahlia? Say, no, hey. no. Don't talk to me about it. We can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope that as this go that as this goes down the road, we can only hope that as this goes down the road, that maybe he will experience a renaissance of some form. He won't. Uh, how know. old can he be? He's got to be so old. Uh, by this point, genuinely, he has to be like. Like in his mid seventies, if not his eighties. Like this is one of the last movies he's making, and no one's talking about it. You know it. That's gotta be the case. Doesn't matter. Uh, Anyway, uh, the bullfights—that's cool. The oil thing is cool, but let's let's just get this out of the way. And this is probably the most important thing, just because secretly, a good previous co-star of the show, who I'm sure will be on again, has just walked in the door because of his. Absolute encyclopedic knowledge of beer. How Christ, he's trashed. So, is the fact that this is the guy who directed the original Mission Impossible. Yes. And so there was Mission Impossible. There was Mission... Don't you say shit. I'm glad you're paying attention. Mission Impossible 1, Mission Impossible, you know, 2 and 3. But then... They gave it such a long break when Mission Impossible, you know, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Fallout. What good fucking hands these series are in. I want to talk about Mission Impossible now. Like, are you trying to tell me that Nicholas Castor Waldorf is going to be the new Tom Cruise? No! No! I'm talking about because Brian De Palma directed the original Mission Impossible. I understand. This is the original Domino, except for we the movie that starred ex- Kieran Knightley. Knightley and Mickey Rourke. Which, great movie, actually. But, underrated film, probably. Very um, underrated. Duber, where can we find you? People follow you on uh, on the social medias. I don't know whether or not they're. Yeah, public. I mean, I'm sure if, if you if you look up Duber, there's only got to be like five or six in the world. So like six or seven. You'll yeah, find okay. me. You'll find uh, me. All that stuff. You can find all your shit there. And uh, cool. And uh, hopefully soon enough, we'll we'll see another piece from you on Merry Ground. Yeah, fingers crossed. I, yeah, I, just I, a, I met a met a dude met a dude who was a music artist. I'm trying to interview. No reveals, but fingers crossed it happens. All right. Someday. Cool. Um, let's see here. What can you find for me? Uh, we have a ton of interviews up on the site right now. Jeff Rosenstock and Chris Farron is up there. Uh, what else do we have by this point? Uh, there's an interview up there of them. Um, cool little punky band out of the UK. Uh, cool band called Tallies. Cool dream pop. Kind of sound like the Sunday. Is that there's an interview up there for there? Um, tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. Um, I'll particularly shout out. It's a couple weeks old now, but uh, still good. Um, Adam Cash has a great piece up there about uh, little what is his name uh, little X nope little Nas X uh, little Nas X yeah little Nas X there we go it was a bunch of different rapper names all combined um, kind of it interweaves a little bit of the stuff that you're probably still reading about him right now um, also Florida Georgia Line and also uh, 9-11 and I don't want to spoil the piece but it's it's a good it's a good examination of country at this current moment um, and yeah that's all I got uh, thanks for co-hosting, dude. Absolutely. Thanks for rolling through 420 with me. Very, very, very happy to be here. Yeah, dude. Uh, surreal number of trailers, um, including a weird number of one-off Batman films. I'll but. try and hold off on my sanity, but uh, I'll be coming back. Oh, boy. That was almost your Joker impression. I appreciate it. We'll um, 
Well, thank you guys so much. So much. Uh, be sure to check out, follow us on, you know, Instagram, on Twitter, and all the shit uh, at T Trash Pod. Uh, you know, spread the word, and you know, go read Mary Grand Magazine and all that shit. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Cheers, guys. Woo.